like for you to stand with me, if you would. And I'm going to do something just a little bit different at the very beginning. I'm going to ask Brother Joey if he would come down. I want to pray for him as he goes back home. And Mother Carol want to pray for both of them um, as they have as they travel. So I'm going to ask my ministers to come and join me today. It's Michelle, Sister Nika, Brother Ronnie, if you would come forward with me. And let's actually encircle them. Just um, put our, I will grab hands and have them in the middle. Would you be with us? Would you lead us? Would you guide us? Bless this congregation. Give us, Lord, what we need. Help us to take the word of God and to live it out, to be faithful to the call of ministry, faithful to your holy word, not compromising, but living to the standard by which you have called us to live. Now bless those and touch people that are not feeling well in their bodies. Mother Catherine, give her relief right now. We honor you today. We lift up Mother Inez Duval in a special way. Still here, Lord. Lord, she'll be going to her reward, we know. But you are in charge in God according to your timetable. We bless your name today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 You may be seated. You may be seated. Thank the Lord. Turn your Bibles to the book of Matthew, chapter 22, verses 15 through 22. Matthew chapter 22, beginning at verse 15. And this is how it reads out of the ESV. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle him in his words. And they sent their disciples to him, along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. And you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Sister Danica, could you take the snare off for me, please? Tell us, then, what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. As a title, I, I am given this message trying to trap Jesus by his words. Trying to trap Jesus by his words. In the passage that we read, I want you to also write down for your reference and compare the accounts of Mark chapter 12, verses 13 through 17. And Luke chapter 20, verses 20 through 26. I'm not going to do that right now, but I want you to, in your Bible reading, to read the three accounts, the synoptic gospels. Uh, point number one, 
the disguised group with flattering words. The disguised group with flattering words. There are two groups that approach Christ, which consist of the disciples of the Pharisees and the um, Herodians, which would be coming along as the arresting group. If Jesus says the wrong thing, the Herodians will arrest him. The disciples of the Pharisees um, have they had been sent after a careful planning session or planning sessions. And the group was sent by the Pharisees in order to try to trap Jesus in his words. If the Pharisees went themselves, they reasoned then that their tactics would have been known from the very beginning. And so Jesus, in this particular instance, was not approached by them. They sent their disciples in order to try to trap Jesus so that the true motives of what they're trying to do will not be detected. Do you not know that your careful planning, your years of scheming, will all come to nothing the moment you try to approach Jesus in a deceptive way. I don't care how careful the planning, how deep the plotting, your first efforts in trying to trap him will end in your own disguise being exposed. You cannot trust, you can't trap Jesus. I don't care how you try to disguise it. Disguise it if you want. Plan for a whole year if you want to. Go to the planning committee meetings if you decide to do that. And come with the best laid plans. You will be exposed. And you will be there scratching your head saying, how did he get out of this? Welcome, Sister Golden Gate driver <laughs> with your new job. As I saw you driving the other day, one of those buses in her nice outfit all decked out. <laughs> so as people... Try to trap Jesus. Just note that your planning will be in vain. But it does not stop the Pharisees in coming together to try to trap him. Now, we've got to keep in mind that this planning session is still during the time of, of Jesus about to go to the cross. They have still, they're coming trying to, trying to find a way to trap them so that they can kill him. They want Jesus convicted. Jesus is going to die, but just not according to their timetable. His purpose is going to be fulfilled. He's going to be heading to the cross. The opposing group will eventually get what they want, the death of Jesus, but they 
get it as they expect it to be. It won't end as they expect it to be. In this last section of Matthew, we have three different attempts of the religious leaders of coming to Jesus. Three. This is the first of the three. The first group of the Pharisees come and they try to find a way in trapping Jesus in his words. The second group that comes will be the Sadducees that we'll look at later at another sermon. And then the third involves the Pharisees coming back once again and trying to trap him. And so we have these three attempts in trying to get Jesus to say something that will end in his ruin. Do you not know that flattery is one of the favorite tactics of the enemy? In order for him to accomplish his goal, he will use any means and any steps available to him in order to accomplish his goal. You not, may not know it, that Satan has goals. He has a plan, and it is to destroy your very life. It is to destroy what God is doing in your life. It is to try to thwart God's timetable and his plan. And so what Satan will often do, he'll come in a disguise, but you don't know that he has an ultimate goal. I'm convinced that Satan will use anybody that he can to destroy and to defeat the purposes of God. Don't think that he won't use you. It's quiet, I know, I know it's quiet. He will use you if you allow him to. If you don't expose the enemy, he'll come right along and put his arms around you and encourage you to keep right on going in the opposite direction of where God is leading you. Note that if you take counsel with people in trying to trap Jesus, I don't care how they might come, how well-reasoned it might be, it is a foolish attempt to try to trap Jesus is a foolish attempt. There are people today that might come to you, and you sometimes know, I know, what do you really want? You ask them, what, what, what do you want? They come to you, yeah, what is it? You know that there's something behind their coming. They may look a certain way, they may approach you a certain way, but you know that they have something in mind. So the disciples here, in being sent by the Pharisees, they start with flattery. Satan rarely comes in his true form at the very beginning. It will be only a matter of time before the mask is removed. Now I want you to note something. The disciples that come and flatter Jesus, they actually speak the truth. They start by saying, we know, Jesus, that you, now I'm going to skip one word in there and come back to it. We know that you dot, 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 teach what? Teach that, teach what, that which is true? You teach the ways of God truthfully? 
You don't care about the opinions of people. And you are not swayed by appearances. Now, if this, in fact, is what they believe, you've got to ask the question, if they state this, what in the world are they doing trying to trap Jesus? Why aren't they trying to imitate what he is and who he is? They've already come and said, we know that you are true. That's the word I wanted to say. I skipped purposely. That's the first thing they say. We know that you are true. And then they say, we know that you teach. Now, if they know that Jesus is true, why in the world would they come with a deception? You know why? Because people are not wanting or they and they are not looking for truth today. Do you not know that people really want to be appeased? Do you not know that people really don't, don't want to hear what the real truth is? They will block their ears so that they don't have to hear truth. You've got a responsibility to tell people truth whether or not they want to hear it. It is how you might deliver the message, but they have a response. You've got a responsibility to tell the truth. And so they come to Jesus and they say, even though they're saying flattery and they have a a deception in the background, they're coming deceptively, they say the truth. We know you are true. They just revealed, they just revealed their deceit. Allow a person, as I've told you before, to just keep talking. You ain't got to say them, just let them talking. They're going to eventually reveal what's really going on. You ain't got to say a whole lot. It's going to come out. So we know that, Jesus, you are true and that you teach. Well, what is Jesus teaching? He is teaching the word of God. Listen to Right here it says, uh, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully. They said it twice. So if they're not following Jesus, that must mean that they're following that which is false. If you are following your friends and they are not following the Lord, what are you following? If your friends are not going in the direction of the Lord and you find yourself tied to them, what are you following? You see, truth convicts people. It makes people uncomfortable. It makes people squirm in their seat. Why? Because it reveals and it, and it it reveals something that is on the inside of them, and it's something that people would oftentimes would rather rather push down and keep from coming up. And so, even though this group comes with flattery, they reveal that Jesus, in fact, is true, and that He truthfully and accurately teaches the Word of God. The Herodians are coming as well. They're part of the planning committee as well, even though the Pharisees didn't even like 
the Erodians. The Erodians were from the family of Herod. They didn't like the Pharisees. The Herodians were put in power by the Roman government. The nation of Israel didn't like the, the, the Herod family because they were serving Rome and they didn't like being in captivity. In fact, in tried in many places, we're going to get out of this situation. It was often their sin that led them into captivity and to be under, in bondage oftentimes. And here, right now, Romans in charge. And so we've got now two groups who don't even like each other coming together. Why? Because they've got a common enemy. I told you, oftentimes, if there are two people who don't like you and they don't like you more, they'll team up together. They'll come together to fight you. They'll partner up because you are disliked even more. The Rhodians, the political party, didn't want there to be change as well. They wanted to keep their position, and Jesus was constantly rocking the boat. They would be the ones, if Jesus said the wrong thing, that he would be arrested. So this group all comes together, and they form the perfect question. So they think. We should never, ever forget that Jesus is omniscient. Never forget that. Never forget he's omniscient. Well, Pastor, what is that word? Never forget that Jesus knows everything. There is nothing that Christ does not know. We need to make sure that we understand something, that when Jesus came to earth, there were certain things that he just left to his father as he was coming to complete his role. He's always been from the very beginning. The fact that Jesus is God means that he could not have a beginning. If anything has a beginning, they cannot be eternal. Now listen carefully. We are eternal beings now because God breathed into us the breath of life. Only God is truly eternal because he has no beginning. So what makes Jesus God is the fact that he has no beginning. He's not a lesser God, a little God. It's roles. What's the role of Christ? The Holy Spirit's role. It has nothing to do with their Godhead in the sense of power and who they are. It's the roles that they play. He's eternal God. He's always been. You're not going to bypass God. Jesus, could you talk to your father for me? Who you think is implementing whatever's happening? One God revealed in three persons. So you're not going to get over on Jesus with the perfect question because he's omniscient. He knows everything. So while they come together, Jesus saw it even from eternity past that this group was coming up. And he says, okay, that's the question. I'll deal with that when I go to earth. Now, if Jesus advocates disobedience to Rome's rule, 
The Herodians will quickly take him to the governor and say he is subverting the authority of Rome and he's got to be dealt with. And so we've got the party of the disciples of the Pharisees and the Herodians here to get Jesus and there's no way for him to get out. And so the, excuse me, the disciples of the, of the Pharisees go and they don't have to worry about the Pharisees coming themselves because if the Pharisees go, it will be known, oh, here comes that group. We know they're going to be trying something. But with the disciples, uh, they can go and detect it, so they think. Which brings me to, question, to point number two, the question, the response, and the departure. The question, the response, and the departure. Now, for point number one, it was verses of Matthew 22, verses 15 and 16. And this point, number two, will take us to verses 17 through 22. The question posed about paying taxes was the question that the group settled on in their special conference meeting that included the Herodians. This is the question that they settled on. What could we ask him in order to trap him? We've got the perfect one, taxes, to Caesar. And so this is the question and the trap question that they bring. So if Jesus says yes to their question, you should pay, they reasoned already in the conference that the people would turn against Jesus. And this reminded them actually that they were under Roman rule that they hated. So if Jesus says, yes, you need to pay taxes, we don't accept Rome as our as a power over us, and it might have been a rebellion, and so they've got it planned out. If he says, no, you don't have to pay taxes, then we got the Herodians there for the government, and he will be arrested immediately. So we've got it all planned out. And so the question, um, Jesus, here is the question. Tell us, after flattering him, what you think, what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? That is the question. The response by Jesus, the response by him calls out their deception and then reminds them that they are all hypocrites. They are actors as in a play. They are hypocrites. Now, I tell you, Jesus is cold. He called them to their face, not behind the closed doors or behind their back. Told them you are a bunch of hypocrites. And go back and tell your boss too, bosses, that I said you a bunch of hypocrites. He saw it and he tells them, I see what you're trying to do. Why are you trying to de bring this deception from your deception committee? Do you, not, do you not know they got deception committees in the church? They got deception committees in many churches trying to undermine the pastor, 
and the ministry. Thank God that we have a people here that help support the ministry. Deception needs to be exposed. Listen carefully. Deception will run underground for a period of time, but it will rear its ugly head. Cut it off. Cut it off. You got people that's, that's beginning, oh, I think I just don't like it. Oh, just always be careful. Let them go to the source of, you know, I'm having a problem with this. Fine. But be careful of getting a deception committee together. Be careful. Don't, don't, don't do it. Because if God is called the pastor, the Lord will disband the deception committee. When the Lord says, you hypocrites, show me a coin. And the question that Jesus often does, or one of the things I should say that Jesus often does, he asks them a question. Now, isn't it interesting how the Lord constantly turns the table around? Uh, who's a picture and inscription? Is on the coin. Show me the denarius, which was a day's way or uh, the daily wage for a Roman government soldier or a laborer. Show me the coin. And uh, so whose inscription? It forced them to recognize the picture. Who is it? Caesar. And in there, stating the fact that it was Caesar, the disciples of the Pharisees, in fact, acknowledged that they, in fact, were being ruled by Rome. Get in now. There is a, there's a twist in here. You see, because the power that was in, or the, the, the government that was in play or in power would mint their coins and put the inscription and the picture of the ruling party there, or the king, the Caesar. And so when they said Caesar, they were saying this is the coin that is in operation today. And so we see Caesar's um, image there, and we are acknowledging that, yes, this is Caesar's. We are in Caesar's jurisdiction and under his rule. They just convicted themselves by their own answer. Get this. Their statement made them acknowledge they were under Roman rule. That they hated. Then Jesus says, well, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's. Now, now listen. That's for the Jewish individuals that were there. That's group. That's the disciples. Then he says to them and the Herodians, "Give to God the things that are God's." The Romans didn't like God and believe in God, and he was acknowledging, and Jesus was stating. That there is a God and the things that belong to him, we need to give to him. And that was for them who denied God, didn't like God. 
And so for both groups, they get their answer. And you notice their response. Wow. Wow. They are left speechless after marveling. This first group leaves. They came with a mission to get Jesus. And they leave shaking their head, marveling. Their head marveling. Wow. Do you believe it? Wow. The word that he said. Wow. There was a group that was sent to Jesus by the religious leaders. Why did you bring him back? He says, such wonderful things. We can't take him. Wow. <laughs> the group that comes have to go back to the deception committee and tell them we couldn't trap him. His words were like, wow. This is what he said to us. Can you imagine? And the people sat there with smiles on their faces. And wow. Now get this. This is right after Jesus called them hypocrites. Now most of them, mostly would have, would have been, because said, he called me a hypocrite. You believe? Call me a hypocrite. What did he say? He called me a hypocrite. That's what you need to know. We need to deal with this. They didn't even bring that up. Wow. This is what he said. They let that go. They marveled at his answer. They paid attention to what was important. We pay attention to the trivial things. So what person calls you that? I know that names can hurt, but oftentimes the person will begin to call you names because they don't feel good about themselves. They will oftentimes begin to to say things and to get at you because of something that's going on in the inside. They didn't even focus on what Jesus said. Why are you trying to deceive me, you hypocrites? That was an insult. That was coming right back to them. But they went back like, wow. <laughs> man, this man is something else. Man, you, you believe that answer he gave? Man, let's go on back and tell them. That first group leaves in defeat. But the committee won't be over. They're going to send, there's going to be a second group. And what are they trying to do? They are trying to trap Jesus. Why does the world want to trap Jesus as I bring this to a close for today? Why? Is the world so intent on trying to trap Jesus? Because they don't want their deeds to be exposed. They're uncomfortable with their deeds coming to the forefront. So if we are uncomfortable or if, or if people are uncomfortable, then why are you hiding it? Why not get rid of it? If truth exposes and you have a chance to clean something up, why not take the opportunity to have it cleaned up? Do you not know that when people begin to live right, that they stop living behind closed doors and hiding behind things? They come to the forefront and people, oh, yeah, I feel pretty good. 
and they began to stick out their chests and walk in a different way. But when they're not doing right, they are embarrassed even at the sight of seeing a holy person. Oh, here comes such and such. What? They don't know nothing about what you've just been doing. You feel guilty. But began to do right. Hi, Pastor. How you doing? Oh, cannot today. Not today, Pastor. Talk to me next week. But oh, if we just learn to just live for God and say, Lord, I blew it. Let, me, let me clean this up. Let me do what is right, Lord, because I don't want anything that's separating you from me and me from you. I don't want nothing coming in between. And so the Lord, he's the one that does the cleaning. And so when you think about this group, it should have led them to say, you know what, fellas? We, we, we shouldn't have sent you. We're going ourselves, and we're going to apologize. No, they went back again. We've got to come up with a different question. It's change that's needed in our lives. It's not a different set of deceptive questions that's needed. It's change. Not trying to come up with some special formula. It's change because God's word is, is the thing that brings conviction. Can't become more creative in sin. It's to change. Help us, Lord, to change. So if you are one today trying to hide Trying to trap Jesus by his word. Jesus, you said this. Trying to find something to entrap him. Be careful. As I've said before, because you clearly will be exposed. But you need to marvel at the word of God. Do you not know that these religious leaders marveled at the answer of God and they were the ones trying to trap him? Why can't the church marvel at God's words for us? His word is given to us. Why not marvel at his word? We've got the truth. No point in trying to hide. You've got truth. Share the truth whether they want to hear it or not. You ought to be glad. I've got truth. The Lord gives me truth. The Lord reveals things to me through his word. I get God's answer because I go to the Bible. I don't go through some type of astrology, look at the stars and see which they, where they're moving, the eclipse. Oh, my goodness, the world is ending. Just show that God's in control. He's a powerful God, controls nature, controls everything. Why wouldn't you want to serve a God who's able to do abundantly above everything that we could ask. My God, you serve a great God. Why not serve him and live for him? Why try to deceive him? Why try to cover your sins? His word brings conviction. Live for him. Because God's got the best plan for you. Stand to your feet. No entrapment, but a matter of surrendering to the very word of God. <laughs> so when the answer comes, your response should be, yes, Lord, 
I'll do it. Yes, I'll do it. Today, Lord, as we have heard your word, it is our desire and our prayer that we will be careful to not only hear, but to respond to the very word of God. That we will, we will embrace the word. We will cover ourselves with the word. So that when people try to bring uh, different things and try to bring deception, that the word of God will be our guard and will, those things will not be able to pierce what we have been able to hold on to and to read and to be able to live and practice. We thank you right now for the word. We thank you right now that faith comes by hearing the word of God. We bless your holy name today, and we love you today for who you are. My God, what a privilege uh, that we serve the great king uh, who knows everything and has all power. He's everywhere present at the same time. And there's nothing that can happen to us that you don't know about. And that can't, that, that, that has to, we know it has to pass through the hands and the eyes of God. You've got to, Lord, be the one to say yes or no to things that come our way when we're in your will and obeying the word of God. And today we pray. That, oh, we'll live a life fully committed to the word and living for the king of glory. My God, my God, it's obedience that pleases our Savior. Oh, when God is pleased, we have the best that life could offer. Today, we honor you today and we bless you today. Now, blessed as we leave this place. May our lives not only be challenged but changed because you have the best plan for us. You've got the goal that leads to life. And we pray that we will take what you have to offer. We give you praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. May God bless you.